We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless. And welcome to the uh, State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue-colored glasses. This is yet another special live pod post-USA versus Trinidad. Now, ultimately, from a scoreboard perspective, a success and nothing that I don't think me or my friend David Mossy wouldn't expect. But how that final score got to be, I think, is what is going to be a lot of the talking. Speaking of him, joining me as always is my friend, my colleague, and my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you doing on this Thursday evening, November 16th in the year 2023? I am doing well. This is the warm-up act of my evening because I have to go in a couple hours from now to cover the U-17 World Cup. So yes, you are. You're knee-deep in soccer, my friend. Uh, I've, I've had this discussion before with others as, there, can there be too much soccer? Um, I don't think there can be, but uh, you are you're certainly testing the bounds in terms of your involvement, obviously from a perspe- uh, professional perspective. Okay, let's uh, let's get into it. We are mere minutes away from the final whistle of the U.S.-Trinidad game. A uh, win, and but, but not a win that I think a lot of people, Mossy, <clears throat> here on this call or who watch the game, will walk away with a tremendous amount of confidence. And I have to be careful. And I, I, like I said, I did breathe, namaste, before I came on, so as not to lose my shit when it comes to this team that I know and love, and that in this instance, I expected so much more for, from. That they, that they, I'm going to use the word wasted, that they wasted 80 minutes of the game is a concern. Now, Mossy, we've, we've watched enough soccer to know that there are times where it is a war of attrition. There are times where you need to poke and prod a team, especially a team like Trinidad, in this case, who right from the very beginning made it very, very clear what their posture was going to be, literally what their posture was going to be. And it was going to be a situation where the U.S. had all the ball and was going to have to find a way to break down this defense. Ultimately, they did. But does that excuse, Mossy, the first 80 minutes of the game? And, you know, I, uh, at halftime, I, I tweeted out that I felt, and I, I still, you know, even with the, uh, uh, the, the second half having been played, that was a first half that was unexp- un- uninspired and, uh, and I think I said um, unexpected, but also unacceptable. And look, 
I have been an incredible supporter of Greg Berhalter. But when things don't go well, and they did not go well for much of this game, yes, he is going to uh, bear some of the responsibility, as he should. But also, these players, not for a lack of talent, not for a lack of fame, not for a lack of level that they play, all of them playing over in some of the great leagues and some of the great teams in the world. And yet what they, when they stepped on this field in a game that is actually of meaning, they did not bring it. And that to me is concerning. That's concerning relative to Greg Berhalter. And that is concerning relative to these players. And who knows, maybe it was an anomaly. Maybe it's just one of those days. I'm hoping that it was. But this did not fill me with confidence going forward uh, with this uh, with this team. And yes, they were missing Christian Pulisic. Yes, they were missing George Weah. But that is still no excuse. And I'll get into some of the individuals in a second. But that's the overall assessment right here. I I am Mossy. It's just soccer. I get it. But <laughs> it's what we love and what we talk about. I'm angry. I'm a little angry at that performance. Sorry, t- uh, Tim Way, not George Way. <laughs> uh, Sean Sullivan beat me to the punch there. I was going to yeah, right, poke whatever. fun at you for whatever. That. That's, that's how that's how riled up I am, my friend. Yes. Uh, yeah. You you texted me with uh, 20 minutes left in the game, saying that you might lose it on the spaces. So th- this would have been a very different spaces had they not scored those three late goals. But it, but you're upset anyway. And yeah, understandable. The first half was very disappointing. It's not the easiest thing in the world to play against an opponent that bunkers down to that degree. But it's still Trinidad and Tobago. They should have. Uh, done better it, it, it was too narrow too congested uh nobody was beating their man one-on-one which is what you have to do to unlock defenses like that they were trying to pass their way through it uh and they weren't creating any clear chances that halftime they had 75 percent possession and zero shots on goal they got a break it must be said with that dumb red card noah powder a needless tackle and weston mckinney um and so the second half with a man advantage things opened up a little bit more he brought on Pepe and aronson who provided a spark they started to create chances but still you got to 80th minute still nil nil and you thought oh my god is this going to be one of those frustrating uh nights where the ball doesn't go in but all's well that ends well they score the three goals late uh so they are going to advance in this tie uh but yeah it sounds like the the, the, the bad outweighed the good for you you're well, still hold on, on. Oh, oh, oh. while it went while it ends well i don't know if all is well uh when i look at the individual players here um at the end of this game i'm left after asking myself some questions Let's go first to Gio Reyna. Undeniable talent, being put in a position in the center of the field to kind of run the show. And against a team like this, he should be able to do that. However, maybe he's being still played out of position. Maybe this is forcing you know, a round peg in a square hole. Maybe he just needs to play out wide. And you saw him during the game drift out wide. It's where he obviously wants to be and where he wants to start. And maybe it doesn't show as much in a game like this where they have all of the ball. But even in a game like this, this is where Gio Reyna needs to be that star. This is where Gio Reyna's ability, his talent, his creativity, his um, his knack for unlocking and finding those passes needs to come to bear. This is where I needed to see more of Gio Reyna, all right? And it's not as if he, he was horrible today, but I was disappointed. 
in Gio Reyna's performance. Now, he's not the only one out there. I'm also left at the end of the game. They're interviewing uh, Ricardo Pepe right now, who came in, like you said, got a goal and continues to do what you want from a substitute, come in and make an impact. I'm beginning to ask now, and the, the experiment is far from over, but ultimately, as any substitute that continues to come in and score, you have to ask the question, is this a better option from the beginning of the game? Are we at a situation right now where Ricardo Pepe is a better option up top than Balogun? And it doesn't mean, again, that, that Balogun, you know, that was just a, a, an experiment. It didn't, it didn't work. But that, I think that that's a fair question to ask, uh, to ask out there. Um, let's see. Uh, Paredes did nothing for me. Malik Tillman, I have no idea really what position he was actually playing. Uh, And I think there there was some redundancy out there with what was going on. Weston and Musa did their usual stuff. I thought actually Weston looked good at times, breaking, making tackles. Obviously, he drew that 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 dumb red card. But his his breakaway speed was actually reminiscent of uh, of Musa in the back. I I mean, I can't say anything about Matt Turner and the back four. There's really nothing that I can even look to to assess any of them in the back. And let's be honest, Sergino Dest didn't even play right back. Not that he always does, but in this game in particular, he was, you know, a, a right back in name only. And ultimately, uh, Anthony Robson comes up and uh, and gets a goal here. So, uh, you know, again, this this is concerning from a, a ruthlessness, Mossy. I think that's the word that I'm looking for. I want to see a much more ruthless type of Greg Berhalter setup on the field. And I was disappointed at halftime that he didn't even just to make the, to just to send the message, say, you know what, this isn't good enough. And I would have, I would have loved to have seen him make changes and make multiple changes at halftime. Cause we know if you make changes at halftime, it means that things aren't going, uh, things aren't going well. The 60 minute traditional type of sub. Okay. I get, I get it. But I, I kind of really was hoping that he would uh, send a message there before we bring in some more people here. Cause we, we do want to get to your calls. We'll see anything else. Well, you said a lot of things there. Let me take them one by one. Okay. Uh, Kyle Martino said Gio Reyna took over the game in the second half. Is that Kyle being overly generous? Well, first off, I would expect Gio Reyna to be on the ball a lot. And that he was on the ball a lot should not surprise anybody. And again, this isn't me saying that, you know, the experiment with Gio Reyna, it's not even an experiment. But having him in that number 10 position in this particular game against this particular opponent He's there to break down this type of defense, and he wasn't able to uh, able to do it. So I I don't well I can I can understand Kyle saying that he took over in that he was on the ball a lot. I want I want quality over quantity when it comes to Giorena. I agree with you on Pepe. Uh, Kyle made that point for Pepe and Aronson. I think it's forcing it with Aronson a little bit, but with Pepe, it, it at least is a conversation now. I know that. Uh, Sometimes a player, almost the worst thing you can do is to be an impactful super sub because a coach gets it in his head that that's your role. But Pepe and Balogun, it should at least be a competition where they're rotating. One starts one game, the other starts the other. I don't think it's fair to Pepe to just have this uh, defined pecking order where he's just always the super sub and Balogun always starts. So I agree with you on that. And then the other thing is, you know, you uh, on our last pod, you uh, provided your lineup and you had Zendejas and Brendan Aronson out on the wings, which is what most people expected. So that was the one curveball that Greg Berhalter threw at us tonight and starting Tillman and Paredes instead. And and neither one played well. So you have to say, on that count, Berhalter got it wrong, lineup wide. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he got it wrong in that it didn't result in, obviously, what we wanted to see, especially through that first 80 minutes. But 
I don't think anybody was been out of shape when the when the eleven came out that it was Paredes over Tillman uh, or Paredes and Tillman as opposed to me wanting Brendan Aronson and uh, and other and others out there. So I don't think it was oh this incredible shock of a starting lineup that he had. But again, you're given these opportunities and you have to take them. And whether it's Paredes or anybody else, even a player that's been around like like, like Tillman, it just there was. You know, there was nothing there. And again, I know that Pulisic is a huge, huge factor in this team and the way that he plays and missing him is a big miss, as is uh, as is Timmy Weah out there on the right side. Listen, we've done a lot of babbling here. Uh, I'm going to catch my breath and hopefully others can come up and maybe you have a, a you agree or you disagree. Uh, but as many people we can get up here as possible here to uh, here tonight that uh, that want to talk about. And look, you can talk about this game. You can talk about it in general. You can talk about Life, soccer, or anything anything in between. You hit that button, a little blue light shows up, which tells me that you want to speak. I only ask that when you come up, uh, that you are efficient in the way that you uh, ask your question and make your comment. No filibustering. Uh, hopefully people, you know, don't bore us, get to the chorus. Uh, you've heard it before. And if you haven't, uh, welcome. Welcome to the State of the Union here. And this is what we do. And we, we do it one at a time. It's not like this whole Lollapalooza festival thing where I bring up a million different people. So, all right, let's get this going. I see a lot of people here that want to uh, say hello. Let's start it right off the bat here. Let's go. Philly Sports. Are you there? Yes. Unmute yourself. Yes. No. There you go. Hello. Hey, I'm here. How you doing? Awesome. There we go. We're off Just to the race. Just wanted to say, I, it was really nice to see Gio Reyna like break through and have a good game. I thought I definitely thought he was the man of the match. I thought he played really well. And honestly, I'm just hoping that the drama with Burhalter they fix it because moving forward, I think Reyna is a huge part of his future. And you know, we're let me getting, ask you. Let me let, let me ask you something. Um, you know, because I don't think that honestly, I think the drama. I think they have moved on. It's always going to be there, always lurking in the back, and there's nothing they can do about it. It's just kind of baggage that they're always going to going to have. But I don't think it's affected them now, and I don't think it's going to affect them at least in the near future. Here, do you like him? And I'm talking about Gio Reyna. Do you like him better in a central role, or do you like him out wide? I think I like him in the central. Okay. I like him in a central role. Um, I think he can play both, but I, I do like him in the central role. Um, I'm just curious to see how what Burhalter does. You know what I mean? Like how he prepares his team for the next World Cup. Because I was, I'm going to be honest with you, um, Alexi, I wasn't firm on bringing him back as the coach. So I feel like he's got to prove a little bit more to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, no, we've we've to, said that before, to, to, uh, and I'm glad you that you're honest about that. You know, and you can you yeah. can agree, you can disagree. I mean, hey, you can. There's plenty of people on this call. I think that think that it was the worst thing in the world that they brought uh, Greg Burhalter back. Uh, back. So that's uh, that's okay. But you know, I think the pressure and I do think that the criticism that he will come in for uh, tonight and, you know, we've talked about this before. The real assessment of Greg Burhalter is going to happen next summer. And while we look and while we look at 2026, which is important to look at each one of these, each one of these games is really a, you know, a data point, if you will. And this one right here, as I said, was not inspiring, even, you know, even ultimately getting the goals and getting the win that they need. So from a competitive standpoint, this is good because this this gives us the opportunity, uh, more likely than not, to automatically qualify if uh, we go through in this next game for Copa America, which is a huge, huge test and which is a huge, huge necessity. We need Copa America. We need that test. And Greg Berhalter needs it to not only test his team, but ultimately, like I said, I think that's going to be the real assessment as to whether it's a go, no go going forward with Greg Berhalter. And and people like yourself and others, I think, are looking to next summer to say, all right, that's all fine and well when you're playing against Trinidad and Tobago, even when you don't even play well. But next summer, that's where the rubber meets the road. 
Yeah, I agree. I was I wasn't impressed tonight at all with him, and I think if they have a a, a, a rough showing and gets Copa, Copa mm-hmm. America next year, like I don't even know if he should honestly be the guy moving forward for the World Cup. Oh, I I, I agree with you. I mean, look, I, as as you know, I've been a supporter, and I was in favor and thought it was a positive move to bring him back, and we've gone through all the different uh, different reasons. But if if this team fails and fails miserably next summer, absolutely, you should look. Uh, at whether Greg Berhalter is the right person to lead over the next uh, next couple of years into 2026, most importantly into 2026. And if there there will, will if it doesn't go well, it is I guess the perfect time to make a change, and you have to make that change at that point. Exactly. I agree. Philly I agree. Sports, Thanks. my friend. Thank you. It. There we All go. Right. All right. All right, Mossy. I mean, Mossy. You think I'm. Uh, do you, do you agree that next summer really is what is going to decide Greg Berhalter's fate relative to 2026? Yes. And I do have to ask you because originally you were against bringing him back because yes. uh, you don't like giving coaches second cycles. And then the geo thing happened and it rubbed you the wrong way that that was going to be the reason he wasn't going to be brought back. So that yeah. moved you into the bringing yeah. him back camp. Now that the geo thing seems to have dissipated a little bit, and we're just judging Berhalter as a coach again. Is there something stale about seeing him on the sidelines for another cycle? Is there something to that? Yeah. I, look, I find myself asking again, was this the best thing to do? And even, even before tonight. And as you said, I, 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 have, I raise my hand and I tell you and I have told you and you, you laid it out there, my reasoning for it. And yes, it's a it's a principled type of thing. And I guess it's a, a romantic type of notion. And I fully admit that from a pure competitive standpoint, it might not, it might not be part of the competitive equation that I'm thinking about. And I, because they were going to bring him back in the first place, for those that didn't hear before, because they were going to bring Greg, Greg, uh, Greg Berhalter back in the first place, I believed that I didn't want him or anybody in his position to not get that opportunity because of what happened. And that's, so that was ultimately my reason. And look, I, I think he's a very good coach. I think he can be a great coach. And that's why I want to see him evolve. I want to do, I want to see him do some different things, not be a completely different person. Cause you can't, you can't be that, but I do want to be able to see and point to things as do a lot of people that he has gotten better, that he has learned from his mistakes because 2022 was all fine and well, but let's be honest, that was, you know, that was the preseason, if you will. 2026 is what any coach that would have been hired by the United States Federation would be, would be focusing on. It's just that Greg Berhalter gets multiple cycles, uh, which is a unique uh, aspect of it. All right, let's take some other more calls here. Oh, let's go around here. I'm going to skip around here. So let's see. Um, Robert Greenwell. Let's see what Rob, Bob, Bobby, Robert. Hey, how's it going, Alexi? It's going well. Where are you calling from? Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. All right. Yeah, Did you watch the game? City. Did you watch the game? Oh, absolutely. And thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm still very much uh, big on Ballo. I think he is going to be the leading line going forward. And I like Pepe coming off the bench and being able to be that little bit of a spark there. And I know it hurts for him a little bit, but I think he plays better off the bench. 
Okay. I mean, as Mossy said, there are players that, and, and you, you can get mesmerized by goals, right? And when a player comes off of the bench and consistently scores, but this isn't just some player who's just kind of trying to break in. We know what Ricardo Pepe is. We know all about the train and we know all about how, you know, he was one of the final players that, that left off of the World Cup roster, but you know, his move to Europe and his bouncing around, but he has still managed to score goals. And he's had ups and downs when it comes to his uh, his club career and what has happened over there in Europe. But, you know, we also sometimes forget a lot of times we are seeing these these players grow from oftentimes teenagers into their 20s. And you're a very, very different person and a very, very different player. And he's had to sit now on that sideline and see the, I guess, the anointed one, which is Flo Balogun, right? And say, well, that's all fine and well. And, you know, everybody loves this uh, this new shiny object, but I've been around and I'm better and I'm going to take every single oppor- uh, opportunity. What he has to be careful of is when he gets that chance. And I think he will get that chance at some point if he continues doing what he is doing. And on the other side, Balogun has games where it's not happening and the team doesn't look good, which you can certainly say that for 80% or 80 minutes of the game tonight. And Balogun was part of that 80 minutes. There might be some changes here. And so when that happens, now you have to have a little bit different of a mentality than just coming on and, 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 uh, and being a, a goal scorer when the game is kind of already, already played out and things have been, uh, things have been decided, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, thank you, Robert. I appreciate it. Thanks. Larry. All right, let's move around here. Mossy, anything while I'm finding somebody to uh, talk to? Anything else stand out tonight in terms of the game? Uh, well, an interesting scoreline elsewhere in CONCACAF. Panama 3-0 up on Costa Rica in Costa Rica. Uh, so that's a great first leg result for them. Looks like they're going to book their wow, trip to the Copa awesome. America. And then we got, yeah. uh, what, Jamaica, Canada, and Mexico, Honduras coming, uh, coming tomorrow for these automatic spots into uh, Copa America. And look, this is going to be a fun summer for certainly for us from a Fox perspective, but just for soccer folks uh, next summer, whether it's the Euros uh, and then obviously into Copa America here uh, in the U.S. And what that what's that what that is going to mean for the teams that you'll get to see, the players that you will get to see, um, including Mossy's Brazil and a, you know, fingers crossed and knock on wood, a messy led Argentina uh, next summer for uh, for a Copa America. So we're excited about that. But obviously, we want the U.S. to qualify, and that would be a good thing. And they did a lot towards that And uh, tonight. It wasn't convincing, but ultimately, they got the result that they needed, and they should be able to see this out when they go down to uh, Trinidad in a few days. And by the way, after the game uh, on Tuesday, we will also do another one of these uh, post-game wrap-ups after the uh, the second leg. Uh, let's go over here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to let's see Tony. We'll see if Tony will actually uh, say anything. Tony, Tony, are you there? Hey, what's up? Hey, Alexa, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All Loud right. and clear. So, now, which version of me I want to talk to you with? Because I've got the version of me that is before the 80th minute, and I got the version of me that's after the 80th minute. So right, but it's all, it's all part of the game, right? And that, that's what I think Greg Berhalter <laughs> would tell you and me and everybody else. Uh, and he's he's probably going to fall on the yeah, we needed to wear them down. It was difficult, and you know it was just a matter of time. But you know it's a ninety minute game, and you know we were playing the uh, the patient waiting game. Well, on that's the PR release, right? Like right. That, but like it doesn't like so. Here's the thing. 
how much blame does he owe? He gets a lot of blame, but how much blame does he actually get in a game like this where the players are on the field, they're all talented, and we are on a red card and it's 80 minutes and zero zero. I, that's the frustration. That's the first version of me. The second version of me comes in and it's like, we scored three goals in 10 minutes with an energy that was unforeseen in the first 80 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. We need to come in with that kind of energy and that kind of gusto in the first 20 minutes of the game at least. And if we're not doing it, make some changes, I feel like. Like get Pepe and get Aronson in there quicker and get the energy moving because they pop in and then boom, it's like the game's started over again. I don't know, Mossy, what do you think ultimately, I, I haven't listened to the Greg Berhalter press conference, but I, he's no, probably, I either. He's probably going to say that. Mossy, what do you yeah. think uh, ultimately this is going to be painted as? Well, to be fair to Greg, at halftime, he was pretty down on the performance. He acknowledged that they were mm-hmm. poor. Uh, so I think he'll probably walk into the press conference afterwards and say, yeah, we were really poor in the first half. I was happy, much happier with the second half. And, uh, you know, so he'll paint it as sort of a tale of two halves. All right, Tony, I appreciate it. Thanks. There we go. Let's go over to the rally mullet. See what Rally's got to say. Rally. Hey. Hey there. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. (laughs) Oh, you're happy. You're happy. I mean, it was, listen, I've I've been to Austin and they can bring it. it. This wasn't a great, I think they announced 19 or whatever. It wasn't it wasn't rocking. It wasn't loud. It didn't seem raucous, uh, you know, and so I don't know what's uh, what, what's going on. What's going on there? Although there was someone dressed up as me. So that uh, that was kind of that was kind of cool. Well, <laughs> speaking of which, I think Jedi's hair is Millie Vanilli like it was blonde. It was rocking. The guy had it all. He looked like Rob on the field. Double flip, too, like, right? Double flip after yeah, the goal. Yeah, but it's a, it's yeah, much yeah. more of a uh, of a silver, you know, or a, uh, you know, a, a blue hair type. There's a little blue tinge to it as opposed to a strict, you know, white type of uh, uh-huh. of, uh, of a dye. So I don't know what number dye he's using, but it's much more on the silver <laughs> vein. He was my man of the match. I went on the app and I voted for him. There's two backflips after that goal. Holy cow. What a rip. Unreal. I, th- I mean, look, and, what, what he's done over the last few years to solidify that left back position is 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 wonderful. And I feel comfortable when he's there. But is he the greatest left back uh, that we have ever seen or the greatest left back in uh, in the world? No, there's times where he can be maddening. He can do things that I go, my God, that's the greatest thing that I've ever seen a left back do. And then within the same move or within the same couple of minutes, do something that just how is that possible that he's a professional uh, professional soccer player? Uh, having said all of that, I am gl- he, he's gotten better and better and I think more confident and more confident. And, you know, there hasn't been a real big challenge to that left-back position. A lot of times we've said the only real challenge might be if Sergio Des goes over to that left-back position. So I'm glad he got his goal. Uh, again, these are the types of games from a defensive perspective where there is little to no um, assessment of these players other than, you know, if you score a goal like uh, like Robinson, uh, like Robinson did, or I guess if you kept a, a, cl- a clean sheet. But, you know, Matt Turner, Matt Turner was back there with a smoke and a coffee. He had the first assist to Pepsi, the Pepsi, yep. <laughs> Pepsi. Pepsi. We'll call him Pepsi. Um, <laughs> I thought this game was more like a foosball game where you're playing against someone that doesn't know how to play. Every time it's a shot, rip, shot, rip, shot. Keep the ball on target. Put one into the back of the net. Just choose a corner. Like, come on now. Uh, Mossy, any any chance that they screw this up in the uh, second leg? 
Uh, no, I don't okay. think so. Um, okay. uh, on on the fullbacks, it, you mentioned this earlier. It's worth reiterating. It was interesting how both Dest and Jedi essentially played as wingers in this game, um, and Paredes and Tillman were sort of tucking in. Uh, so they were the ones counted on to provide all the width, which you know against this sort of opponent uh, that works. But that's something that it wouldn't really translate against obviously stronger opposition. And I have to say, by the way, after playing Germany. In the last window, this was a little bit of a come down, the riffraff of CONCACAF again. Don't you feel like that? I mean, I, I get it, but I'm not going to hold the the team or us uh, responsible for where we live, Mossy, or where we're from. I mean, this is this is our confederation, all right? And we we have gone above and beyond, and we have out well outgrown, I guess our federation, but we're not going anywhere, uh, anywhere else. I mean, this is, this is the reality of what's happening. And, you know, we talk and we lament the fact that we are not, when I say we, the United States is not going to have the, um, you know, the CONCACAF world cup qualifying cycle and all of those experiences that they have. And yes, to your point, there is a disparity in talent. Uh, and oftentimes you, you realize that on the, on the field, but some of those experience do blood your team. And I do think that they can, uh, that they can help, but for the 11th ranked team in the world, all right, to be playing against the 99th ranked team, it, it's not, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't help us. Maybe it only hurts us because it can create some, bad habits, uh, bad habits out there. But again, this was a competitive game. This had ramifications in terms of where, where you're, uh, you're going to go. And if in the future we can find a way from an international perspective to have better quality and more consistent, better quality talent, of course we would, we would do that. But unless there's a realignment of, uh, of countries and confederations out there, or at some point there's a you know, a mixture between Combable and uh, and CONCACAF. Keep in mind, Combable has 10 teams. CONCACAF has 41 members. <laughs> so there's a very, they are very, very different. They're very, very different in terms of the business. Um, and they're very, very different in terms of the, what the competition is. And I guess what the competition is at different times. But I'm there with you, buddy. I mean, I, I, I was watching this game and I was like, this sucks. This is not, because again, it's almost unfair for us to judge these players and judge them individually, except this is all that we have. And part of being a great team is recognizing, even when you are in the position of being the favorite, not just the favorite, but the heavy favorite, still going out there and doing that. And all the great teams in the world, they do that. Sometimes you play down to your opponent. Yes, I, I get that. But that, I don't, I don't think, Monsi, that's what this first 80 minutes was today. There's a time where it's just, it's just not going your way. There's a time where you're, you're playing down to the opponent. I, I get that. What concerned me was from that first whistle in a game where there was something on the line, with all of the talent that you had, they didn't go for the jugular right off the bat. And again, I, get, I go back to that word. They were not ruthless. And I would expect all of these players, given all of the experience, we extol the, the virtues and the experience and the talent that they have, they couldn't bring that to bear individually or collectively as a team to go out there and be professional and be mature, regardless of how old they were, and get this done and finish it off. And it took them a tremendous amount of time, not just to get the goals, but to really come around to almost the realization that they are so much better than this team and they have it within them to prove that on a consistent basis. And they just didn't tonight. All right. Anyway, maybe I'm, maybe I'm 
I'm spoiled that a you know a three nothing win. But I, I I wanted it even I just wanted a better performance. It was a three nothing win, but it wasn't a great performance. All right, let's go around here. Let's see uh, let's see what Coach Luis has to say here. La da 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 dee, Coach, Coach, how are you? Lexi, how you doing? I'm good, my friend. Where are you calling from again? Well, we're we're actually we're in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. That's right. Okay, that's well, right. I'm actually at Navy, but we, we're playing a tournament this weekend. Oh, you are at Navy. No, we're playing at, at Bucknell. Actually, at Bucknell. Oh, Bucknell. I've been to Bucknell. We used to play them at Rutgers, and I used to go out to Bucknell yeah. with my band, and we used to, fraternities used to hire us to go out to Bucknell, and they would like throw us in a basement with a keg of beer, and all hell would break loose, and we would just play every cover that we ever that we ever knew. Uh, good times. Yes. Good times. Good times. Yeah. All right. So, uh, did you watch the game? Were you able to uh, check it I out? I sure did. And, and I, I love what well, I love this conversation because I hear the Greg part of it. And I hear you being spoiled. And this, as a coach, was a no-win game. Mm-hmm. This game just sucks because you're expected to win. And if you don't win, oh, my God, everybody's in a panic. But as you know, what do people want from Greg? I mean, look at Belichick at New England. Mm-hmm. Without Tom Brady, he may get fired. It's talent. Talent wins games. Greg puts the guys on the field. It's their job to perform. And if they don't perform, whose fault is that? Is that Greg's fault? Well, I think there, I mean, I, but you, you would admit that there is a shared responsibility. Look, I, I, I agree with you. Oftentimes we give, and especially in soccer, I think we give way too much credence and credit to the coach. When that whistle blows, your work has to be done. But that work still has to be done. And ultimately, sure. it is going to be a reflection on the coach. Is that fair? Maybe, maybe not, but guess what? Life isn't fair and soccer isn't fair. And I don't think that there's a position in terms of a coaching position in sports where you have less impact, especially once that whistle blows than in soccer. Maybe basketball. No, I mean, come on, man. You, you get to call timeouts. Well, you get your, uh, your, you, your whiteboard you do, and all that. Telling, you're not telling Steph. I mean, without, when, when Steph Curry was injured and, and Clay. The Warriors won nine games. How good of a coach was was? Okay, was fine. So, but it's still a ref, but it's still yeah. the players that you have on the field. And you're not gonna you're not gonna it tell is. me that you're gonna say that Greg Berhalter is gonna cry poor with the talent that he put out there on the field. No, and by God, the way, no. for all of you uh, tin foilers out there who have screamed and yelled over the years about the quota system when it comes to Greg Berhalter, this was all players that play overseas. <laughs> this was all no, this wasn't MLS no. players. All right. Now, I know a lot of them have come through the MLS ranks, but this was everything that everybody wanted in Angio Reyna in a uh, in a central position. And it didn't and it didn't work out. Now, that's not that's not a reason to bring MLS players or anything like that. But the talent that was on display, the value just in terms of the money that was on the field, this should not have been as close as it was for as long as it was. I get it. But I I coach water polo. I just watched Argentina get brutalized by Uruguay. I mean, it's things happen. I mean, at the end of the day, the players got to perform. And I've always come back to, you know, Phil Jackson didn't coach the 80 Clippers. As coaches, talent wins. And tonight, we, we had the best players, but I think it's a matter of maybe playing down to the competition. Yeah, we're going to win. Oh, crap, at halftime, we're not playing well. Because that last 10 minutes was a whole different sure. team. 
I mean, sure. that, that, that was just, but you, and you as a coach, I'm sure you would say you needed to go through that 80 minutes in order to get that last 10 minutes. And that's, look, that's valid. And that's, that, that's fair. But I'm just saying that I look at that 80 minutes and I look at it as, it I, I look at it as much more wasted time than, you know, the, uh, the entree, uh, uh to what you really ultimately, uh, ultimately wanted to do. No doubt, because you have guys fighting for their lives in that in that first eighty minutes. Yeah, and and and, and, and as a coach, we all know that we judge coaches on obviously the results, and they have very little ability to affect the game other than the screaming, yelling on the sideline. And I'll tell you right now that the players do not listen to them on the sideline. And I'm sure that applies to a lot of different sports, maybe even including water uh, water polo. But you are judged in the substitutions that you make, and so in those sure. moments. While it was later than I would have liked, ultimately he made substitutions that did affect the game. With Brendan Aronson coming in, and then obviously Pepe coming in, uh, coming in and scoring, and he should get, I guess, credit if you will, uh, credit if, if you will for that. But again, this is also with an eye to next summer, and this is also with an eye to 2026. And we have great. Well, I'm, I'm going to say we. I have grand expectations for this team. I don't think that they are out of the realm of, uh, of, uh, of reality when I expect this team to do great things come 2026 where we are hosting the, uh, the World Cup. But given the talent and given how further on that talent will be and we're extrapolating, uh, extrapolating it out, you like, to, you like to come off of games as we head towards next summer and head towards 26 saying, ah, we're heading in the right direction. And I don't know, but how many people after this 90 minutes say, you know what, we are better off than we were 90 minutes before. From a results standpoint, I think that, I think you can say that. But from an actual progression and evolution standpoint, I'm not saying we're, we regressed, but I'm saying it is concerning. Well, that's what Greg gets paid. Yeah. I mean, you're right. 2024 is a big year for us. And if Greg can say to these guys, hey, you didn't perform and you got a chance, that's where we can say you, you blew it, Greg, because you, you didn't evaluate these yep. guys. Yep. Because at the end of the day, you're right. I Just like you, I expect huge things from this team. And he can say to these guys, you got a chance, and he didn't do it. And if he doesn't do that, then he's out of a job. I got it, Coach. Good luck against Bucknell, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right. All right, bye. Good call. Good call there, Mossy. Uh, anything, uh, Mossy, was, uh, before we head on with a couple more calls? Did Argentina also lose to Uruguay in water polo? Because you said, I'm a water polo coach. I just watched Argentina lose to Uruguay now. He might be right. referencing the but soccer match. I think, he, I think he was, I think he put, put a comma after I'm a water polo coach, comma, and he had just watched the Argentina game uh, with Messi and, and losing. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe it was a bad day for Argentina sports. <laughs> it's very possible that they lost on, in other sports that we uh, that we don't know about. Oh, my goodness. I love it. All right. Let's go to Puckhead and see what Puck has to say. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I am here, Alexi. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. I haven't talked to you in a while, and you got me right as I put something in uh, a bite of pasta in my mouth. So uh, that's okay. It's okay, my friend. Sustenance is important. Uh, I need you fueled and energetic for what you are about to uh, lay on us. Go fantastic. ahead. Fantastic. Good, uh, good, simple, and complex carb load. So, uh, <laughs> like you said, that first half was uh, it was it was Wes running around like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to motivate them, and and it seemed like with a couple exceptions from the wing back, uh, a bunch of disinterested players in the on the field and and aboard. Turner, right? But disinterested players who, who it seemed like, hey, we're going to win this and the results are going to come. And and so we're just going to sit here and, and go through the motions until they come. Uh, I, I, I joked with someone, it was almost like every single player out there, especially 
our, 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 our mid and our forward all had some type of a, of a bet that somebody else would score the first goal. Mm. Yep. Yep. I mean, it was, I mean, the lack of, again, the root lack of ruthlessness, you know what I'm blaming? I'm blaming my friend, Paul Caligiuri, because if you watch the, uh, the show, Paul, they, uh, Greg Berhalter brought in Paul Caligiuri to talk, to talk to the team. Well, come on, man. If this is the, uh, the if this is the, uh, the speech that he gives, Man, oh man, I got to call him up and find out what the hell he talked to the team about because, man, they didn't come alive, like you said, until very, very late. So, Paul Caligiuri, hopefully we got this out of our system uh, going forward. Well, yeah. And look, I don't, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I, this is not all, it's not by any stretch of the imagination, all doom and gloom. And maybe we're nitpicking here when it comes, uh, when it comes to this game. And maybe we're not being fair to this team. But to your point, you saw it, you said it. It, the the listlessness and the lack of direction and the lack of ruthlessness out there and just kind of going through the motions, that was concerning. Now, I hear people on this call or people out there when I say that saying, well, what do you expect, Alexi? This is what we have come to expect from Greg Berhalter. And this is the very reason why Greg Berhalter should not have been uh, should not have been brought back. Fair. That's certainly your uh, your, your assessment out there. But if if going forward, that first 80 minutes is what we are going to get with Greg Berhalter, then uh, he's not going to make it past uh, past ne- uh, next summer, and nor should he make it well, past uh, next Well, agreed, and I think one, the 4-2-2-2 the didn't work out, especially when they were bunker, bunkering like that, uh, but he was he was telling them at every break, every time, every, uh, is this foul going to be another yellow card for uh, Trinidad and Tobago? Who knows? Every one of those, he you could see him and you could hear him on the broadcast. He's calling people over, he's telling them, use your width, slide in the middle, you move the ball faster, right? And it seemed like at halftime, it took them to, that, that change to a 4-3-3, which started it. But then really, yeah. Aronson, and, and yes, Aronson is, is frenetic energy. Aronson is, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is, is the Tasmanian devil, right? But Aronson and Pepe getting in there and being much more direct, being much more decisive, and Pepe making those runs that aren't the, uh, a lot of those, they're not the sexy, you know, league on premier league. They're not that run. They are the brutal CONCACAF. Like I'm making a run. I'm going through and chipping a shoulder. I'm, I'm, I'm going to draw three people physically across so I can open space, changed it. And when he did that, all of a sudden, like the attitude picked up, everyone started moving the ball faster, just that little bit more. So it, it was good to see attitude. Yeah. Attitude. That's another good word. Attitude. And I, I, I like that. It was, there was, there was, yeah, there was a lack of intensity and there was a lack of, attitude you know and look it's i mean weston mckinney often you associate that bad boy attitude type of thing and there was there was very little of that now maybe it's just because the game they they uh, maybe they like you said they they felt it was a fait accompli and ultimately it was from a scoreline perspective but it just took them so long to get started and that's a, that's a concerning trait and again maybe it was just a blip Adams. Yeah. Adams all right my there. friend i appreciate awesome. it awesome thank you like me yep see you bud Back to his pasta. Mossy, thoughts? Well, you know, spinning ahead to the Copa America, most of the teams okay. are going to face in a tournament like that are not going to bunker down the way Trinidad and Tobago did. So I'm actually not sure how relevant today's match is to, to that competition. I think they're going to face different types of challenges in that tournament. Well, okay. But, I mean, you're going to have your group, right? So you're going to have a big timer, you know, one of the top five from Comnable probably in your group. So who knows? We could get Argentina, we could get Brazil, whoever. But you could also have 
you know, a Venezuela or a Bolivia or uh, and then, you know, there's going to be groups, maybe a U.S. group with, um, you know, with one of the uh, CONCACAF invitees, if you will. And so there are going to be teams where the U.S. is expected to beat them. Will it be will the disparity be this vast to your point? No, but there are going to be moments where Greg Burhalter's U.S. team is going to be favored, is going to have more of the possession, and maybe a lot more of the possession, and they're going to have to find a way to break down an opponent. It, this, you know, this was a bunkered type of mentality from the opponent tonight, and they didn't either they ran out of ideas or they didn't have ideas in the first place. And that's concerning given all the talent and the creativity that's still on the field, even when you're missing Christian Pulisic and Wea. Let's take a few more questions, shall we? Yep. You don't got to go to sleep, do you, Mossy? I have to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not, that's true. What time? What time? Uh, what time's the game? Uh, call time is 10 p.m. Oh my goodness, you are amazing. I love you. Uh, okay, let's uh, see what Luke has to say. Uh, Luke, I am your father. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Where are you calling from, Denver. Luke? Denver. Denver. All right. Did you watch the game, Luke? Do you want to talk about the game? Uh, I did. Um, okay. Yeah. And? Yeah. I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. We can hashtag that and put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> eh. How was the game? Eh. How's the U.S. men's national team? Eh. Um, uh, we need to aim for much more than eh. I know, <laughs> right? I mean, if we show up in 2026 and it's eh, we're screwed. Uh, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I don't know. I was just thinking after watching tonight, um, you mentioned that we were missing Pulisic and Wea. I just think that after seeing tonight that Wea is such an important player for this team, especially him linking up with Des on that right side. I think that's where mm-hmm. almost all of our creativity and attack comes from. Um, so I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on on how important Wea is to this team. And then, uh, so yeah, Masi. So in oh wait, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Ask Masi that, uh, and then we'll go from there. Well, after you answer, I just wanted to hear Masi. I got it to to you, uh, Brazil tonight. I want to hear what, your thoughts. Yes. Yes. All right. We will. Uh, we, sorry. So, so when it comes to, uh, thank you, Luke, by the way, for the call. So when it comes to Wea, I think at, at times he's under underappreciated with, I mean, he has made that right position, his spot, and he has made that right position, his spot, even with plenty of challengers coming along, not the least of which is a geo, a geo Reina. And this is why it's, it almost, well, it sucks that that players are hurt, but it also sucks because we are denied, and Mossy, we've talked about this before on the pod, we are denied that moment when Greg Berhalter actually has to make the decision when everybody is healthy, who plays, and maybe more importantly, who doesn't play, because it is it is the musical chairs, and there are going to be some really, really good players that don't play in that starting 11, and it would be just a fascinating look, uh, given who, given, I guess, when it would happen, who they are playing, and ultimately what Greg Berhalter would pick. But I'm still telling you right now, if everybody is healthy, it's way over there on that right-hand side. I don't care, you know, even in after tonight, I talked about uh, uh, Gio Reyna and all that, but what he has done, I think he has grabbed a hold with both hands on that right-hand side. And and the partnership and the relationship that he has established with Dest, that makes it a real formidable type of machine, if you will, on that right-hand side. And I don't, I don't want to mess that up, but there is nobody yet that has come for so far that king over there, which is uh, which is Wea. Mossy, would you agree? 
I agree. And you know, it's interesting. Tyler Adams has been out for so long and they've played so many matches now in this formation that it's almost going to be a readjustment the other way when Tyler comes back and they go back to a midfield three with Adams, McKinney and Musa. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right. uh, Let's hit us up with, uh, with, with your Brazil thoughts. And for those that that listened to the, uh, the pod uh, last week, Mossy, when we, when we last left him, he was concerned about his Brazil team. Not only was he concerned about the upcoming match that Brazil is playing at home in the Maracanã against Argentina, a place that they have never, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they have never lost to a, uh, a World Cup qualifier in. He was concerned that this moment with what Argentina is, this was going to be the moment when tradition broke and they lost their first game there. But he also, right before, right before we, uh, we, we went off air, he also told me that he was concerned about the game in Colombia, and he had good reason to be, as we find out with the score where they went, ended up losing. Yeah, listen, I want to keep my powder dry on Brazil because I think we're going to lose to Argentina on Tuesday night. So when we tape uh, pod on Wednesday, I'll be able to go on the well mother done. of well all done. rants. Uh, but yeah, I will just say, um, I know the, the coach, Fernando Geniz, is being asked to do a tough thing, which is double up between club and country. So he doesn't have as much time to focus on the national team as as full-time international coaches do, but it is unbelievable how bad a job he's doing. I mean, he's he's doing a great job with Fluminense, just led them to their first Copa Libertadores title. And there he makes inspired substitutions and changes formations a lot and is considered this tactics wonk. And somehow his brain shuts down when it's Brazil and he just makes the simplest of mistakes and and he started this guy Emerson Royale and right back, uh, he's a Tottenham player who might be the worst player ever to start a game for Brazil in the hundred and ten <laughs> year history of the Brazilian national team. Uh, but I I don't want to bury the lead here because this is actually a very heartwarming story. Luis Diaz scored both Colombia yep. goals. Uh, his father was in the stands crying. It was an incredible scene. So I mean, I'll, though I'm disappointed in Brazil, like even I have to acknowledge that that was sort of the the happy ending here of this whole story. So, uh, yeah, Luis Diaz, the hero. And it was a great night for, I mean, are we doing a little Conma Ball recap right now, as long as you brought it up? Um, yeah, go ahead. You, you, uh, yeah, you know, was, listen, this is a little bonus here. A, we'll, we'll bring it back yeah, at the end to the U.S. It was a great night for Liverpool strikers because Darwin Nunez also scored in Uruguay's 2-0 win over Argentina at La Bombonera. Araujo got the other one. That is a tremendous result for Uruguay, who beat Brazil in the last window. They now win in Argentina. Uh, so Marcelo Bielsa really getting it done. Impressive start to qualifying for Uruguay. Oh my goodness! All right, well I'm going to look forward. I have I have much greater faith in your Brazil team evidently than you do. So I think they're going to get it done against Argentina in uh, and and continue on uh, with that streak. All right, let's take a couple more questions and then we'll get out of here and let you guys uh, go to bed or do whatever you're you're doing there. All right, let's see here. How about I'm going to skip around here. Still a bunch of people here that want to talk. Uh, bum, 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 bum. let's go around here there's how about davis let's see what davis wants to see uh or say oh sorry yeah it is davis davis hey what's yeah up? can you hear me yes i can where are you calling from uh, davis? i'm calling from brooklyn actually yeah home brooklyn how are things going there they're going good i heard, heard what do you do what do you do for what do you do in life <laughs> what do i do in life um i work in the film industry here okay what kind of films um, production assistant stuff. So anything I can really get my hands on. I mean, the strike just finished. So whatever's out there has kind of been what I've working on. I've actually succession nice. for uh, Mossy kind of brought that up as one of the shows that he watches. And so I was lucky enough to work a little bit on that one. 
Wow. Ooh, look at you. Awesome. 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 All right. Well, I hope you get a lot of work and, uh, and are incredibly successful. Do you, uh, do you have aspirations to direct or to, uh, do that? Yeah. Writing and directing, I think is, is really what I'm pushing towards. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, I hope you get that done. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, I actually, we're going back to movies. I wanted to quote one of my favorite whiplash. There are actually no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. And I think, (laughs) and I think that's what I would love to put on these American players. I think right now they've just been told good job one too many times. And it's, it's a, it's almost like a, a good is the enemy of great. And I really want these players to be great. And I want this team to be great. And it's one of those things where it's just, (laughs) I feel like they're settling. Let me hold on. Hold on. Davis. I love this. I love, I love this, uh, you know, this, 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 this train of thought here. Um, somebody asked you a question. Do you think that it is, I guess, systemic? Do you think that it is something that exists in the culture? I mean, you look at the makeup of this team, as I said, while there are, while there are no MLS players, uh, and there certainly weren't any MLS players on the field, there's a lot of players that kind of came through that MLS system, came through the American youth uh, type of system, but there's also a lot of players that have, you know, not, have not had any really ex- experience when it comes to the American, American culture. Do you think that this is something that, you know, take, for example, I don't know, a Weston or a Geo or anybody else that you know, they've been told from a young age uh, how good they are. In many cases, they've been kind of in this these incubators that we created. We'll raise our hands. We created in order to develop better players and give them better pathways and opportunities and resources from a much younger age. And they have been uh, nurtured and fostered from a young age to be these professionals. Do you think that we have coddled them? No, I, I think it's newfound. I think we've just been we've we're telling them very recently that they're a golden generation of U.S. Fo- U.S. U.S. Soccer, ah, and, I, okay. and I think it's. Uh, I actually actually played a lot of soccer growing up, and was was fortunate enough to play in those OD, ODP ID two programs. Um, alongside, I mean, Polisic played a couple years before me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's something where they've been told their whole lives that that it's that they're up next. I think it's just for me. I, there's a lot of Greg Berhalter talk, and I think that's something that I'm really honing in on because I think a lot of our game plan going into this game was not tailored to what these players are are really known for. I think we're giving Balogun five ten Balogun. We're having Sergino Dest cross cross the ball to him and having him score the ball in the air. I, I think uh, I think that's a lot of, of where my my problems lie, and I think to really. T- to really like put a little pin on that and capitalize on that is we had to put on two strikers and have a lucky deflection in the 85th minute to really show something out of this game. When you talk about Balogun, that's interesting too, because when he first came in, I think we all, I think fairly looked at the situation and said, you know, he needs to figure it out. It's a brand new team. It's a brand new culture. Everything's kind of new for him. And he had to adapt to the team that he's coming into, but also the players around him. And let's be honest, Greg Berhalter had to adapt to this new, incredibly talented player, but how they were going to play with him. Now, we've had plenty of moments. We've had plenty of games. I think there has been plenty of experience now understanding this guy, both in terms of the games that have been played and all of the training sessions that they had. So if you... if, if if you are asserting that they are using him wrong in this moment, it's not because of unfamiliarity anymore. That means that either, either Greg Berhalter is telling them to do something that, to your point, is not going to result in what you needed to do, or they're not doing <laughs> what they need to do, uh, or they just keep 
kind of going back to this well because they've they've assessed from the inside the players on the field that this is the best way to go is to play to is to play to his head. Which which do you think it's happening? How much credit or how much I guess <clears throat> criticism goes to Burhalter in a situation like that where a player like Balogun in your in your view is not being used correctly? For me, right when right when you have the prospect of getting Balogun and bringing him onto your team and having him decide between England and the United States national team, you watch the film that he's put out from his time in Ligue 1 and you see what works and you see what works for him and you see how to fill that position of a great striker. And for me, I, the the metaphor, the thing that I'm bringing to my head right now is the Holland debate. We're Holland coming over from Germany, joining Man City, and how is he going to fit into this Pep Guardiola team? And is he mm-hmm. is he going to have to play their style, or are they going to have to build around him? And right now, I'm, I'm a little torn between: is Balogun not playing how Burhalter needs this team to play, or or is it the other way around? And for me, I, I've been saying Burhalter is not playing him right off the jump. And and uh, I, I think that's kind of what I've just been sticking with. Well, maybe they have to meet each other halfway. Ultimately, so. you know, maybe yeah. that's the case. Davis, my friend, I listen. Uh, first off, thank you much so much for calling, uh, and thank you for you know talking about this because this is kind of this is really interesting. We could go on uh, for hours about this. <laughs> uh, but best of luck also when it thank comes you. to your, your career. I'll, I hope you become a big famous. To write, uh, writer and director and do all those things. And then Mossy and I will talk about it on the State of the Union when your uh, your next big project comes out. So, all right, I appreciate <laughs> Great, it. See ya. Mossy, anything uh, on that? Davis, I thought that was good and the way he assessed it and, and is thinking about it. Yeah, I don't want to be too negative on Balogun. He's had some good games for the U.S. He's had some moments. But, yeah, t- to your point, this is all still a work in progress. we got to give it a little bit longer. But it just it is interesting that it's being juxtaposed with Pepe's with this incredible form and scoring almost every time he steps on the field. So I think that shines a light even more on some of Balogun's struggles. You know, and if, if, and when that changing were to happen and Pepe were to assume the role of the starter, you know, be careful what you wish for. (laughs) You know, sometimes you do need to go through that first 60 minutes and those players, those 11 players that are grinding it out for that 60 minutes, you know, soften it up. And, you know, if, if, yeah, but I, I do think he can't be, I'm talking about Balogun. He can't be just the default constantly. All right. There has to be challengers. There has to be a constant searching for somebody that possibly could be better. And by the way, this this doesn't just apply to him. It applies to everybody. We taught you, you know, how about how important Pulisic is, you know, there is a whole group all right, you're seeing some of them, probably too young in terms of the players that you're seeing right now. But there is an Olympic team that's coming. There are, you know, youth teams that are coming. And there's some maybe some players that we just aren't even talking about. And a lot can happen. We talked about the emergence of someone like Matt Turner at the, uh, I guess, the last moment in terms of the, the last couple of years. So things can change. And this is, while this is an incredibly talented group, and to our last caller's uh, point, they have been told, I think, from a very young age as a group, how talented they are and therefore the expectations that they have. And they probably internalized some uh, some of that. But it doesn't mean that not that it doesn't mean they can't be replaced. They are all replaceable. And if it's because they're not playing well or if it's become or, or, if, it's, or if it's because that next generation comes of age much faster and either individually or a collection of players come up and challenge them, that would be the best possible thing that could happen to Greg Berhalter and this team. If every single one of these players, especially after a performance like tonight, felt a fire coming up behind 
saying, hey, there are others and they are hungry. They are younger. And who knows? Maybe they're better. And maybe they have some of that ruthlessness that I'm looking for. Maybe they have some of that grit. Maybe they have some of that animal that I think a lot of people are looking for. And unfortunately, was not on display at least for the first 80 minutes of the game tonight. You know, uh, Voltaire, the 18th century French philosopher, says... Do I know Voltaire? Of course, who doesn't? Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. But our, our last yes. caller flipped that around. He said the good is the enemy of the great. It seems like he thinks U.S. players are settling for just being good when they should aspire to be great. Well, look, he's a, uh, he's a writer. So <laughs> Davis is a writer. So hopefully he's going to be a, a good writer. Listen, we've gone about an hour. We thought that's what we said we were going to do. Mossy, anything before we go on this or anything else? Uh, Emma Hayes is official. Uh, we already talked about yes. that uh, briefly on the pod. Uh, the, we don't have to get into this tonight, but I, I do think this equal pay component of this is drawing some interesting reactions uh, on social media. So at some point, we're going to have to discuss that. Absolutely. We will talk. We will talk about that and what what it has done um, and, you know, potentially some of the ramifications, either anticipated or not anticipated uh, going forward. But I think when we're talking specifically and for those that didn't hear the, the pod when it comes to Emma Hayes uh, on paper, this is a great hire in terms of everybody says good things about her. She has had incredible success, albeit just in a club form. So she hasn't had that international experience yet. But uh this this is somebody that, by all accounts, does not suffer fools. And as I've said time and time again, I hope she comes in. I hope she's given the autonomy and the ability uh, to clean house to the extent that she can and wants to. And I hope that she gets this U.S. women's uh, national team back on track where the focus and the priority is about winning soccer games and being the best in the world and winning World Cups. Uh, okay, Mossy, thank you so much. Uh, have a good night, my friend. All right, get over there to the lot and uh, do that under-17 stuff. I will see you tomorrow for uh, England-Malta. And through the weekend, we will be over there on Fox. And uh, look, this was, you know, one of these games. May, many years from now, we will forget about it. But right now, it was fun to talk about it. And you brought it tonight in terms of the, uh, the questions. So have a wonderful night. We'll talk to you again uh, as a reminder. Another post-game spaces right here right back here uh, if we didn't get to your question i'm sorry there was a lot of you that wanted uh, questions we will be back again uh after the uh, second leg on uh tuesday night uh, uh that is u.s uh, trinidad monday. monday excuse me uh excuse me monday night u.s trinidad on monday night we will have a spaces immediately following the game and hopefully we'll be we'll be screaming and yelling but in a much more positive vein after a away performance by the u.s men's national team until then and as always my friends Size the day. <laughs>